0: What's good, everybody? You are tuned into to another episode of the My Mike and I podcast. Big thanks to everybody that's listening, because this is episode 100, baby. Episode ciento. Cien. Century mark. 100 years. 100, nah, not 100 years old. 100 episodes old, guys. And man, it's a pretty big milestone for me, I got to say. I You know, coming out of college, I didn't plan for this podcast to go this far. And you know, just really quickly before we get into the episode, I am gonna, you know, shout out the people I usually shout out, and then also kind of give a brief recap of you know the podcast and its history because this is a big moment for me. I think you know, it's uh, a lot of people have like, oh, I just got engaged, I just had a kid, like I got a promotion at work, like this is a big, this is a big accomplishment for me. So first of all, shout out to you, the listener, for rocking with me, whether it's you know from episode one or from episode ninety nine, just an episode ago. Appreciate you guys. Uh, Like I said, we're available on all platforms. Did want to shout out to Generic Sports for producing the instrumental in the background. You can check out more of his work on Twitter, Instagram, SoundCloud. Just search up Generic Sports and go support him financially via Bandcamp. You can check out bandcamp.com slash generic sports. He's also starting a band too. He plays bass. Like this dude's talented ass motherfucking producer. So be sure to go support your local producer. And shout out to Vince Correa for designing the and I logo that you're seeing in your screen. Uh, big help. Couldn't do it without Vince and JJ Generic Sports uh, for sure. So shout out to those guys, 100%. Like I said, shout out to you, the listener. Just a brief recap as, you know, here on the My Mike and I podcast, I don't know if I mentioned it already, but I am No Alvarez. You know, I started this podcast in February and I, I'm i not going to lie, I started with my friend Jacob Fanshawe. We were both members of the KSSU radio station over at Sacramento State. It's where we fell in love with broadcasting, both sports and doing a weekly show. We would do a few weekly shows, actually, because he had his own time slot. I had my own time slot. We also had Chris Bullock and and Alec Romero, who have been guests on this show. And, yeah, man, we used to have so much fun. Graduated, was applying to all kinds of ESPN, Fox Sports Network, uh, Pac-12 Network, small radio stations in Kansas, sending out reels, resumes, and all that kind, the whole nine yards, and, bro, nothing was hitting nothing was coming i felt like you know as the days and months went by i was you know i felt like i was losing my broadcasting touch because obviously like anything in the world like baseball if you don't go if you don't practice in six seven months you're gonna lose your touch it's actually longer than six months because i graduated in may you know probably hadn't done anything up until like i said january february is when jacob fancer and i we started plotting in 2018 and we're like, yeah, let's start a podcast. Podcast was sort of a thing I got really late into, but yeah, in the winter end of winter slash beginning of spring in 2018, we started the Fathers podcast, and it was pretty cool. You know, really rough beginnings, but man, we had something good going. Uh, no bad blood between Jacob, but he eventually we just eventually decided to part ways. You know, he's still a part of the show. I still kick it with him regularly. And, uh, you know, but I did eventually want to rename the show. And after a few episodes, I think the first guest I actually had on the show was back in uh, September. It was Joseph. We actually, it's still up on the old, on the library. If you look up the wild, wild NL West, Joseph talks on. Joseph hops on to talk a lot of baseball, NL West specifically. He's a Dodger fan. So, yeah, that was a fun episode. First musical guest was actually Generic Sports, my buddy JJ. That was in November of 2019, and that's still up on the library too. And then you know we like slowly but surely, I was like, man, what do I like? If it was just my podcast, what what I want to do? I eventually started having different guests on. You know, I had my, my homies on to do best hip hop in 2018. We did a 2019 show a couple months ago. Uh, so I, I plan on doing that for as long as this podcast goes. And I had a few other guests. You know, Michael Harlan was uh, an early guest. Vince Ortiz. Uh, was an early guest too. We had, you know, a bunch of different guys and the first first actual artist that I had on the show. I know recently I've been having a lot of artists which is great because, you know, I think it's dope. I've always been a big hip hop fan. and just have people, you know. But anyways, I'm rambling now. First artist I ever had was actually this guy I met from Texas. His name was Ian Clark and actually Ian Clark is a uh, really dope. He played. He played a lot of different instruments. He's a keyboardist. Keyboard. He plays the keyboard. But he was in a lot of different bands. He's toured all over Texas and a little bit of the you know southeastern part of the United States. But yeah, I was in. A, I was on a trip on Texas visiting some friends. Shout out to Jessica Gomez. You know, she was a friend of Ian. He wanted to be on the show. That was my first uh, artist that I had on the guest. Then I had my homie Wim from high school. And Wim, you know, Orange County artist who's killing it out there. Definitely recommend you guys go check out his music. He was the first rapper I had on the show and everything, you know, after that just kind of snowballed. I got a lot of different artists, got a lot of different business owners, people who started streetwear brands, people who, you know, have uh, been in movies and acted and directed and that kind of stuff. So, yeah, just really, you know, thankful for everybody. I just wanted to go over some, you know, quick milestones up the Mike and I podcast slash the Fathers podcast as we hit the century mark. Again, pretty big accomplishment for me. I know may, some of you may not think it's a big accomplishment, but again, big accomplishment for me, so I'm going to give myself a little round of applause. All right, now on to this week's show. Uh, episode 100, we have a very special guest. It's a basketball player that I used to watch at Sacramento State, and I actually used to broadcast and call her games, Emily Eason. And She has a pretty dope story because coming out of high school, she actually went to Portland State. We talk about her decision to transfer her years at Portland State. We also talk about her coming to Sacramento State, the different styles of play. We also talk about her being an openly gay athlete, as well as a few other things that she's done post-collegiate career. It's a pretty dope, fun conversation. Without further ado, hope you enjoy the conversation between Emily Isom and myself. So first question I wanted to ask you, obviously without sports for this past couple of weeks, what what sports are you missing the most right now in uh, in the society?
1: Uh, I would definitely say basketball as a whole. Obviously, um, March Madness. I mean, that was that was a huge a huge letdown. Um, obviously, I kind of hold a, a special place in my heart for March Madness because that mm-hmm. was always the goal was to get there. So, um, huge fan of the Oregon women's basketball team. So I was absolutely rooting for them this year and I think you know just unfinished business and that's Mm -hmm. that's that's tough you know you just usually in the in the tournament it's always not much of a surprise it's the UConn. UConn wins every year but now uh, just like the men's tournament it was up in the air and it's been like that for the last couple of years and that's so exciting and the fact that like Oregon had such a high chance to win, and like I said before, it goes unfinished is uh it's unsettling for sure,
0: mm-hmm. like you said, Oregon they were uh finished the season as number two, but they had the a p player of the year, Sabrina Janescu. What impresses you about watching her game when you watch her play on the court?
1: I think her biggest or the thing that I like about her the most is how quiet she is and how humble she is um you know i I've watched a lot of players in my life succeed and they, they let people know that they have succeeded and like they let others know, like I am here and she's so humble about it. And that's what I love the most about her game is, is that, and also just her, her ability to run the pick and roll to absolute mm-hmm. perfection is incredible. Mm-hmm.
0: She's also from the Bay Area too. Did you get a chance yeah. to play against her or watch her play at all in high school?
1: I never played against her or watched her, unfortunately. Um, but I knew she went to Miramani. I know that she did go to Miramani and uh made a name for herself there. Unfortunately I never got to play against her, but wish I could. Wish mm-hmm. I could have.
0: Now the team that was number one at the uh, at the time that you know the coronavirus hit and paused everything was South Carolina too. Uh, what impressed you most about that team if you were following up with them and, and on their season they finished thirty two and one.
1: You know, didn't follow them too much, but you got to give it to Dawn Staley. I mean, she she's an incredible coach. I'm I'm almost one hundred percent sure she also coaches the USA team. I mean, just the experience and coaching the caliber of players that she does is you know you can't you can't go wrong with her as a coach she leads that team any of her teams just in the right direction got to give her props
0: so going back to your playing days back in high school at Marin mm-hmm. Catholic High uh, you played basketball for coach head coach D Martini. what specifically about his coaching style helped you get to the next level
1: so Rick is pretty much my second dad he's him and I are still very close to this day and I think what worked with him and I is our ability to communicate with each other like when I was on the court I was constantly looking at him just to check check in on if we were on the right page and and something that I respected about him as a coach is he wasn't afraid to listen to his players Mm -hmm. and so if I saw something that he didn't see and I was like think we should do this he would listen and if If he saw something different, he would communicate that to me and I'd be like, great, that's uh, let's do it. And, you know, he'd been coaching at Marine Catholic for like over 30 years or something. And the thing that was crazy about him is Rick ran the same stuff every single year and coaches couldn't figure out how to stop it. And that was something that was so special about him. He just, he stuck to what he knew. And obviously yeah, he would make adjustments here and there, but it wasn't anything, like, extraordinary. He just to what he did, and he made his players run it to the best of their abilities. And when you can do that, you don't always have to change everything. So.
0: Yeah, if it's not broke, don't fix it, right?
1: Exactly.
0: <laughs> so before high school, at what age did you find yourself really falling in love with the sport of basketball?
1: So for a while, I told myself... I want to be first female to play in the major league. I want to play baseball. And then just, I grew a little bit in, you know, in middle school and high school. And I thought, maybe that's not the most realistic thing. Um, so I'd say it was probably my sophomore year of high school. I was like, uh, I'm going to play division one college basketball. I'm going to do it. Mm -hmm. And, um, Yeah, that's when I really dove into the sport, realized that I had to go play travel basketball outside of Marin because you definitely see see a different different level of players outside of Marin. But, um, yeah, I'd say probably my high school or my sophomore year of high school. Mm
0: -hmm. Now you mentioned you wanted to be the first player to play in the Major League Baseball. How fun was it for you to watch Monet Davis, if you did watch her at all, tear it up in the Little League World Series a couple years back? Yeah
1: she absolutely killed it. I mean you gotta you gotta love seeing uh females in, in male dominant sports succeed. You just mm-hmm. you just gotta you love to see it. And uh she was definitely someone I followed and uh rooted for her the whole way. I know she ended uh she said she wanted to play basketball at UConn, which didn't happen, but she was shooting for the stars, which you gotta love and uh, mm-hmm.
0: yeah. Is she in college already or is she She still is in, high in school? college.
1: I think she's playing Softball at a smaller school, I want to say. Yeah, but no. Time time (laughs) goes fast.
0: Yeah, it feels like only a couple years ago she was, you know, in the Little League World Series. Man. So I know you were getting looked at by a few schools in California, but what led you to make the decision to go play for Portland State right out of high school?
1: Yeah, so I was actually I was like so close on actually going to play at UC Santa Barbara uh took my visits there they ended up having a coaching change new coach was not interested which is just part of the recruiting process um mm-hmm. so went on a couple more visits checked out portland state and realized that you know i didn't want to be too close from home but i didn't want to be too far away i'm definitely a homebody so got to stay on the west coast which i love um I, you know, I really liked the girls. It seemed like a good fit at the time. And uh, I thought to myself after the visit, I was like, this, this seems like I, I gel. I fit in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What,
0: what was the biggest adjustment like from playing high school level basketball to now college level?
1: Sure. The speed of the game. I mean, oh, my goodness. The speed is, is crazy. And, all, and also just um, your schedule. Right, in high school, it's practice after school for two hours max and go home, Mm -hmm. play a game twice a week, either at your home court or at another school that's like 10 minutes away. (laughs)
2: Um,
1: But right in college, you have classes scattered throughout the day, you have weights, you have film, you have study hall, you have it all. You have four to five hour practices, um you know it uh it's just the, the schedule the huge huge jump
2: mm-hmm.
0: now when looking at your uh, freshman year you were named academic all big sky and you're actually named academic all big sky all four years uh what did what did it mean to you to be a student athlete to make the all academic honors all four years during your collegiate career
1: sure like student student does become come before athlete. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I can say that wasn't always the case. Um, I think you could ask a lot of student athletes that, and they said that wasn't the case. But I mean, I knew I wasn't going to go pro, so I wasn't going to college to go to the draft. You know, go to and out or whatever you want to say. Even mm-hmm. I was there. I was there to get a to get a degree, and uh, as well as play basketball. But you know, I was the first person in my immediate family to get a college degree, so that that kind of drives it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but you also you do get hounded by your coaches if uh, if you aren't locked into your schoolwork, and that's not always a good conversation to have. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you know, when you go in there for your weekly meetings or whatever it may be, you wanna you wanna be on top of your shit for mm-hmm. sure. And uh, you know, when you're not, it's not a good look. So. <laughs>
0: Now Portland State's not too far from your home of the Bay Area, but was there any culture shocks or things that you had to get used to just being living away from home for the first time? The weather. Yeah.
1: The weather was the biggest, the biggest issue, honestly. And you know, coming from the Bay Area and where you get sun a majority of the time and then going up there, it was um it was rough. Um you're not you're not seeing the sun at all. And I, and I thought to myself, well, um, you're going to be in the gym. So it's not like it's really going to matter. But yeah. it actually, it played a, played a huge effect on just like my well-being, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah.
0: So your, your sophomore and your junior year, you ha- there were some injuries to the team, and you ended up leading your, score, your team in scoring both those seasons. But then you had the decision, you made the decision to transfer to Sacramento State after your junior season. What kind of led into that decision for you to transfer and leave Portland State?
1: Yeah. So it was, uh, it was an eventful three years at Portland State. Um, A lot of unnecessary drama, I guess Mm -hmm. you could say. Um, But I was probably the most unhappy I've ever been there. And so I knew, you know, I had uh, a lot of the girls that were older were my, were my, Like closest friends, so when they graduated, I was like, "Oh man, Uh, like it's it's gonna be hard to grind this one out." And uh, so I knew I just we we played Sac State, so they I mean same conference, right, Big Sky, and so I saw what was going on there. (laughs) And I am a three-point shooter. That's what I was known for, kind of just throughout my basketball career and those girls shot threes. That's, they ran, trapped, and shot threes. And it's like, how do you, how would you not want to play in that? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we had some coaching changes, and I was like, you know what, this is my perfect time to just, to go. Mm -hmm. This is, this is it. And so I did, and I, you know, I talked to some people, and it ended up working out, and yeah, and so I got to play for a, for a team that, fit my style it was fun
2: mm-hmm.
0: now I know in Portland the sophomore year you guys won eight games junior year you guys won four games how tough it was it for you your sophomore year as an underclassman and then junior year as an upperclassman to just you know still rally your teammates to continue to play hard night in and night out
1: sure it, I mean it, yeah it was it was uh I don't know if hard the right word but it was frustrating because all three years I was there we had like talented group of girls every year and it was just frustrating that we could not get over this this wall that was in front of us and you know we we would put in the work we would put in the time and uh we just couldn't seem to get over it and yeah there were times where we were we were fed up but it I mean it's something that you do have to go to every day because that's you know that's it's your job. It really is your job. So it's like you can't not go. So it's like you're you're going every day. You're going to put in the work because if you don't, then what's the point of even showing up? And and at the end of the day, you you do everything you can to to succeed and to put your team in a position to succeed and if it doesn't work, you know that you've left everything out there, you know? So yeah.
0: Mm -hmm. so explain to me how the transfer process works uh, at least at your level you know how did you have to put a name out there or did you start reaching out to coaches immediately or what what was the process
1: so I don't know if it's different now um but I told I don't even know who it was I don't know her title um someone in the in the athletics department Mm -hmm. that I was looking to transfer and We didn't have a head coach at the time, so it worked out a little bit easier. And so I started talking when I was able to. I started talking to coaches, um, sent letters out, just being like, you know, I'm available. (laughs) You're interested. Let me know. Um, And I ended up going on a visit to Sac State and talking with them, and they knew how interested I was. And I knew some girls there so that kind of you know helped make the decision a little bit easier and and it it was actually relatively a relatively smooth transition wasn't too difficult so
0: so after moving to Sacramento State you have to sit out for that Mm 2015-2016 season what were some of the things you were doing could you practice with a team and kind of what were you working on during that year off
1: so I did practice with a team um was I a priority with the team? Absolutely not. I was um, I was either on the practice squad when we uh, so I was like the scout team mm-hmm. and uh, didn't get to travel. If we played relatively close, I could drive myself, which I did. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I was I was more just like I said earlier, the scout team. I mm-hmm. tried to just help them get better. Uh, ran other teams' sets. And then during home games, would just wouldn't be able to suit up. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, would just be a support system. Mm-hmm.
0: Now, Coach Bunky Harker wrote over at Sac State, like you said, a lot of trap, a lot of full-court press, a lot of three-pointers. How much of that – was there any adjustment period that you had or necessarily kind of maybe struggled with coming from Portland State and Coach Merle?
1: Absolutely. Um, for the most part, Bunky let's – every single player have the green light. Uh, you have an open three, no matter when it is, you shoot that. You shoot it. And sometimes you think you're just like pulling the pole and it doesn't seem right. And it's like, damn, if I took that shot at any other school, I'd be benched. I'd be pulled and benched. So that, that was an adjustment. But at the same time, you had to be like, this is what he wants. So I'm going to do it. Um, and also his rotations, his subbing rotations,
2: mm-hmm. uh,
1: you, go in, you go in for, shit, it could, be, it could be fucking 10 seconds, and then you're out, <laughs> and it's, uh, it's hard to get a flow at times, yeah. right, you could hit, you could hit three shots, and then get pulled, or you can miss two shots, and then you get pulled, and you're like, well, there, there's no way I'm getting in the flow, or you can mm-hmm. be like, yo, I got the hot hand, you don't know why you're taking me out, um, I think he's kind of adjusted to a little bit, um, but that was a big one because you're you're exhausted. You're running around with your head cut off for you know 20 seconds, and you're gasped. So at the same time, the subbing, you know, technique, you're like, yeah, I could use one, but um, but that was something I definitely had to adjust to.
0: Yeah, I always wondered that too. Like when covering games, just like you said, it was and it was subbing five in five out at a time. Mm-hmm. And it was like you said, yeah. sometimes it was 10 seconds. Sometimes you got like, a. if you were lucky, you got a whole mid on the floor. Yeah.
1: And then you're like, oh, fuck, something's wrong here. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> but you know. always
0: wondered, you know, like as a player, from a player's perspective, how hard was it to, you know, catch a rhythm and just develop the chemistry?
1: Yeah. The rhythm was definitely, I'd say, one of the more difficult parts to it. But mm-hmm. you just got to hope you can go in there and hit cause that's mm-hmm. what. that's what you're supposed to do. Three yeah. pointers count more than twos, right? Three more than two. So. <laughs> that's what that's what you're doing
2: mm-hmm.
0: and then obviously too I just I remember looking at your stats too Portland State your your junior season you're averaging like 38 minutes a game playing almost the whole game and then you go over to Sac State I think it was 24 you finished with so it's a huge drop off and minutes
1: to play. that was hard you know it's you always want to play right you you go you go to play college sports and hope to play mm-hmm. and so yeah, I I think I did average the most minutes in the conference, which I was like, what the hell. But um, it was that was a big adjustment. That's a good point. That was a big adjustment um, at Sox State. But but like we talked about, it was just a different. It was a different uh, you know strategy that he was doing, and there's no way you could play 38 and a half minutes running mm-hmm. what he does. There's just no way.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So.
0: So coming from Portland State, obviously a couple tough losing seasons. Sac State, the year before, they had a, a decent season. I think they finished just below five hundred after the Big Sky Tournament. But then your senior year, it doesn't end up working out. You guys only win ten games, six in conference. What kind of just, you know, what – I know there were some injuries to that season, but what else kind of played into factor in that season and not going the way you guys pictured?
1: You know, that was like – that was pretty disappointing. It was. Um, but it but even throughout the season you don't win games you can't you can't dwell on it a lot because they change the tournament to every team goes Mm -hmm. so or the conference tournament um so even though you don't win games throughout the season yeah that means you get like a shitty seating but it's not over Mm -hmm. like you still have the opportunity to go to the big dance so I think that was always something we kind of kept in the back of our heads. It was like, okay, so we haven't really peaked yet. We haven't figured it out. Well, there's still time. Um, And I think that's what hurt most about that season is we lost to Weber in the first round in overtime. And it was like, really? This is how it's going to end? So that was always something we kept in the back of our heads, I guess. Mm
0: -hmm. But I just remember having so much fun watching that team from you, Margaret Huntington. Uh Ashton oh, yeah. Crenshaw, moran Johnson who I've had on the show. Yeah. You guys were crazy talented. I just remember thinking like like how how is this team not more I guess how could they not have more wins on the uh the Absolutely
1: finals? and it, and that's and that's the frustrating thing. Like I said with the group I had at Portland State is like such a talented group of girls that just couldn't get over that whatever wall it was. It was just, mm-hmm. you know? Like Marianne Johnson goes down as probably her and Fantasia Hilliard, they go down as like two of the best players to ever play at Sac State, mm-hmm. and I think you know I just wish that I could have taken more of an advance, like more. I don't even know, just done more with my time with Maran. You know what I mean?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So it with all those girls, with mm-hmm. all those girls,
0: and it was unfortunate too. I remember the season prior. I don't know how much you got to know her, but Brianna Burgos. She was a really talented shooter on that team, but she had a a crazy, unfortunate injury Mm -hmm. at the end of the season prior. So she, she was out most of that 2016, 17 season. And you could tell, even when she did play, she was like timid. She wasn't the same athlete, you know?
1: Absolutely. And and that's, I remember when that injury happened. um, And that was just a bad step. Mm -hmm. And you're just like, Oh, that didn't look good. And yeah, that's why it's, you know, injuries. It's, injuries are interesting that's why I'm I'm intrigued to see how Kevin Durant plays this next upcoming season Mm
0: -hmm. speaking of injuries you remain pretty injury free your entire collegiate career what do you attribute that to or what were some of the off-season workout plans that you were doing to keep yourself healthy and strong
1: you know I I felt like I was really lucky (laughs) with injuries um had a ton of concussions Mm -hmm. I'd say that was probably my You know, a lot of people say like ACL or ankle Mm -hmm. or whatever. Mine was concussions. I Mm -hmm. think I had five or six in college. Um, And those take take a toll on you. Mm -hmm. Um, But I did a lot of I had a a really good college trainer out here in Marin. Um, He played college ball at Hartford Mm. a while back and his name's Michael Turner, great guy. Um, he killed me in the summers, absolutely <laughs> killed me. Did a lot of track workouts. Um, but I'd say I, I'm not gonna like say that I was doing some crazy off-season workout. I think the injuries were a luck thing, straight mm-hmm. up. I think they were a luck thing.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You mentioned the concussions, and obviously, just in the past like half decade and even decade, you could say, especially with the NFL, it seems like concussions are a lot more in the news, a lot more talked about than they were at least when we were both in high school do they scare you at all the fact that you've had so many and just had injuries in general
1: um yeah I mean I'm also a big NFL girl so mm-hmm. I love love the NFL and I just don't understand I think almost every hit those guys take is a concussion mm-hmm. straight up like there's just no way it's not and mm-hmm. Unfortunately, it's the norm to be like, get up, you're fine, go back out there, mm-hmm. and you play it off like you're, like you're good. And that's not just a concussion thing. I think that's a lot of injuries. Roll your ankle, do something to your knee, tweak it, back, whatever it may be. You say you're fine, and you get back out there.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, you deal with the, with the repercussions later. Unfortunately, but um, you, I think the head injuries need to be taken way more seriously, though. Mm-hmm. I mean, we – I don't want to go too much off on a tangent here, but Antonio Brown.
0: Yeah. Oof. I mean – Oof. That was quick, too. That was like –
1: that (laughs) – I don't know if he'll ever play in the NFL again. I think he will. But, like, what was happening on social media this past year and, you know, to me, head injury plays a part in that. And Mm -hmm. some people may think I'm crazy for that, but I don't know how it doesn't.
0: Mm -hmm. And I think for me, from a personal experience, a lot of what Antonio Brown was doing, I have experience with my father. He has, he's facing, he played football a long time ago in the 80s. So stuff was even less high tech back then. I could kind of see the long-term effects on him himself and where he'll go through episodes, but he doesn't remember them even. You're just like, whoa, like, So that definitely seeing that at home kind of scares me long term. I didn't have any diagnosed concussions by a doctor, but I know there was two times where I got my bell rung really bad where I just, you know, you know, like you said, trying to walk it off and and Mm -hmm. brush it off. And that was way too, I think that was way too easy back in the day. You know, I think now they're doing a better job as far as making it mandatory for kids to get into concussion protocols and stuff. But I just remember, you know, if you just told them like, yeah, I'm all right. Yeah, I'm all right. Like, and they'll they'll do the simple finger test, but that was kind of it. Right. You know, and, and then
1: we're like, ah, you're good.
0: Go. Yeah. And I remember yeah. the biggest thing is like how I, I remember reading up later is like when you work out the day after concussion, you feel really nauseous. And there was, like I said, those two instances where I had a hit, pretty hard hit. The next day we had practice or some mm-hmm. sort of workout. And I remember like throwing up and I was like, oh, like, yeah. Now looking back, it's like, damn, I, those are concussions, you know? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You mentioned your NFL girl. What's your favorite team right now?
1: The Niners. Okay. I'm not a very I'm not a I'm not a very uh loyal fan. <laughs> uh, but I was I was rooting for them this, this past year. Mm-hmm. Incredible run by them.
0: So going back to Sac State, you finished with a kinesiology degree. Was that something that you always wanted to do since coming out of high school, or did that something you have to find along the way when you're in college?
1: Yeah. So it was something I always wanted to do out of high school. Um, I had a my my goal in life was to be a player development coach for the Golden State Warriors. I oh. said that is what I'm gonna do.
2: Uh-huh.
1: I I will get there one day. Um, so got my degree in kinesiology, and then right out of college, I got um, an internship with the old strength and conditioning coach of the Warriors. He was around when Monte was playing and then they kind of cleaned house when it was Steph Curry's first year. So unfortunately uh, he got let go, but I got an internship with him and his um, company that's run out of San Francisco um, and then actually got a part-time job with them and thought that I wanted to do that. And then that, I realized that that wasn't what I wanted to do. It was something that I found to be way too repetitive, and I just I wasn't in love with it like I thought I was gonna be. Mm-hmm. And I took a completely different road, and I was like, I need to be on my toes more. I need more excitement in my life. Um, and I decided to be an EMT.
2: Mm.
1: So I went to school to be an EMT, and I'm currently. And I'm back in school. Well, not right now, unfortunately. We got uh, postponed, but I was in the fire academy because I want to be oh, a firefighter. Okay. And so um, we were halfway through that, um, and then obviously, unfortunately, the coronavirus kicked in, and so we had to put our academy on on hold. But um, that is what I'm doing right now. Goal nice. is to uh be a firefighter, EMT, maybe a fire medic one day. We'll see. But um not doing what my major uh you know not doing what my major was but that's okay not Mm -hmm. a lot of people do so
0: yeah it's okay to you know make changes at any point in your life yeah where was your family kind of thrown off by that decision to switch careers up all of a sudden um
1: a little bit i think what i think they were most surprised about is how quickly i just like let go of my other job and Dove into this one. It was like, found the programs online, signed up for them, signed up for school, done. Mm-hmm. And then I was in it and I got my EMT, you know, six months later. And now I'm trying wow. to get my firefighter one. And I think that was the part that surprised them the most, which is how fast I, I got into it.
2: Mm-hmm. Man, yeah, you're
0: a quick mover, huh? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Gotta be, you know.
0: So after college, after playing basketball, was there any point that you try to pursue amateur basketball, playing overseas or somewhere in the States?
1: Thought about it. I think overseas was probably the most realistic option. Um, but I, w- I was ready to be done with it.
2: Mm. You know,
1: it, unfortunately, there was a time in college where I was like, this is not something I love anymore.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, it, and it and it felt like a job. Mm. and 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 that's what you know Mm -hmm. um you know there's people out there like Marianne Johnson that still have this extreme love for the game which I wish I did um but I don't when you know when my senior year ended it it ended and I you know I it was time um do I still play in leagues yeah I play in women's leagues you know out here and uh, play in open gyms with my you know with my my friends and um you know I coach a high school team and
2: nice. you know I
1: get in and play with them as well and and uh yeah, I can't not play but you know ever since college ended, I haven't had the that that feeling to just like like i i miss it like i wish I was still playing college basketball I don't have that feeling anymore and Mm -hmm. Actually, I haven't had it since college ended. And I think that says a lot in itself.
0: Mm -hmm. When you, when, now that you coach high school, what do you like most about the coaching experience, especially at that level?
1: Oh man. Um, You know, I I like all the different personalities you get with the girls. You know, it's, it's just like, I also feel like I can relate to them. You know, it's like, I've been there. Mm -hmm. I know what you're going through. You're going to get past it. It's not the end of the world to get a D on a math test or like whatever it may be, or, um, you'll get through it. And, and you just connect with the girls, you know, in in your own special ways. And, you know, they just, they make you keep coming back. Mm -hmm. Right. It's, they're great. And, uh, they want to learn. They want to learn. They want to get better. Um, and that's what you love to see.
0: Did you always picture yourself coaching or was this kind of something yeah. that you did? Okay.
1: I did always. Um, and, you know, I've grown a lot as a coach. I, I know I still have a lot more growing to do, but, you know, I always had this. It's different when you've played and you play at like a high level, you have. You have high expectations, and and it's okay to have a high expectations, but make sure that your high expectations are realistic. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you need to have, you know, you need to get checked as a coach and realize that not everyone has the same mindset as you did as a player.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think that that was hard to swallow for me as a coach. <laughs> it was like, yeah, and not everyone is gonna be in the gym after you lost
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know people are going to go home and eat dinner you do that <laughs> later but like you know so i think that was the biggest thing but i i love coaching i will coach if i'm a firefighter which i hope i am um i will still coach
2: mm-hmm.
1: um just because the schedule kind of allows you to but um yeah i will always coach
0: that's great i i coached middle school right now and i'm gonna start coaching oh, high nice. school football next season but that's like the biggest thing you said, too, is like sometimes you do have athletes that don't love the sports, sport as much as you do. And it, like you said, it the, the you worded it perfectly. You have to get checked sometimes because there will be those athletes that love it as much as you do, maybe even more. And you're just like, oh, yes, this is perfect. You know, I could work with you. But then you get like maybe a kid who's more talented than that kid, mm-hmm. but he just doesn't love it as much. Or he's playing three right. different sports. He has a lot of stuff going on. You know, he'd rather go to his like aunt's you know birthday right. then go to a game yeah. and just like
1: man like what are you yeah, doing you know exactly <laughs> and and that's a that's another thing it's like how you talk to one player is not how you're going to talk to another so it's it's kind of fun and interesting to navigate through each player um because how i talk to my starting point guard who's a senior is not how i'm going to talk mm-hmm. to my starting freshman you know it's just like mm-hmm. but it's it's fun to figure out Mm
0: -hmm. speaking of players who were if you can recall back to your collegiate career or even high school who were some of the better players that you had to play against in your career
1: oh god um you know let's see in high school I played against a ton of girls from like St. Mary's and Berkeley who were super good um they ended up going to like Cal and um god I don't even know college 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 I mean Fantasia she was incredible
2: mm-hmm. she
1: was incredible um I honestly don't even remember mm-hmm.
0: are some of the better teams that you guys played I know Idaho had a pretty good uh hold of the big sky when you guys were playing there
1: yeah they did so that you know is Idaho State Idaho State had yeah. some some incredible girls um i don't i can't recall their names, but they were a powerhouse um northern colorado had one girl i want to say her name was dashara strange mm-hmm. she was she was a straight-up stud I yeah i don't i honestly don't remember there's some good good girls though <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: i remember too you guys played usc at home
1: yeah, your senior oh, year, God. they
0: had they yeah. had some fast players.
1: Yeah, just athletic, just... <laughs> athletic as hell.
0: Yeah, you guys kept up with them for the first half, and then like, no, the you half. just
1: gotta go into those games like you have nothing to lose. Right. Just so like give it, give it your all.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, whatever you do, give it your all.
2: Mm-hmm. I remember they're that.
1: Was... Just like you, they're female basketball players. They're a the human being, right. Me, right? You just gotta.
0: And I remember too that was the most packed I've ever seen the uh, the Hornets nest. The fans really came out in yeah. support that day. Yeah, that was a fun <laughs> so, game. That was mm-hmm. fun. So going back you to your, for
1: games like that.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah, hundred percent.
1: Yeah. Because
0: mm-hmm. I think even like ESPN had a a radio. Because I remember we had to like squeeze into the booth that we usually do games mm-hmm. at. There was like a there was somebody up there that was like from ESPN. I think they were just doing filming and they were live streaming it, but it was it was pretty interesting to see that many people yeah. and that many media personnel, and it was just, it was, it was full. It was fun. Absolutely. So going back to your senior year, too, for the State Hornet, I know you got to do, uh, for the newspaper on campus, I know they did an article specifically about being an openly gay athlete. At what point of your life did you come out, and were you comfortable coming out?
1: I'd say I came out Was I uh, a junior in college? I think it was my last year at Portland State. My last year at Portland State. And if not that, it was my sophomore year there. Um, But I think it was my junior. And um, yeah, you know, it was a a casual conversation uh, that I really had with my mom over the phone. Mm -hmm. Mom, I'm feeling this type of way. Not sure what the feeling is, but I'm feeling whatever this may be. And it was like, great. for you. It was you know, it was nothing that you know needed to be she you know, she didn't make it a a situation. It was like great, thanks for telling me I love you.
0: (laughs) That's nice. That's good to hear. Yeah. Did you ever meet players that were maybe still not open about it because they had some pressure from their family or, you know, outside friend circles?
1: Yeah, you know, it wasn't even it wasn't always the pressure. It was it was kind of just like I don't know what this feeling is.
2: Mm.
1: And I'm just like riding it out right now, um, which is fine too. But, but yeah, I, uh, I definitely met people that were still like, hadn't come out to family members or whoever it may be. Um, and, you know, that's something that each person figures out when the best time to do that is because it's different for everyone. So mm-hmm. um And you just gotta kind of let it happen.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: You know, I also remember reading in that article too that you mentioned that a lot of girls who play basketball at any age level they always kind of get stereotyped that way. How did that make you feel? And did you ever face those stereotypical comments when you were younger?
1: Yeah, you you do you do uh, face it. I faced it uh, because I wasn't I I you know all growing up wore my brother's hand-me-down clothes. Mm -hmm. Um, Wasn't your typical. Girl, right? Loves to be outside and play sports and wear basketball shorts and big t shirts. And that was me. But it, you know, it's a, you do face it. You get, you get some, some comments even when you're playing or, uh, you know, from the crowd or whatever it may be. But it's something that I've just, it's, it's me. It's a part of me. And it's like, it's not something I, I, I flaunt or like make it a thing. It's just, it's me. Mm -hmm. And it's, yeah, you just, you got to realize that not everyone is going to agree with it. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And that's okay. You don't have to. Mm -hmm. I don't get why you don't, but you don't have to, you know, to each their own. But I also, I also have um, really, like, like, I'm happy with Mm -hmm. who I am like I wouldn't change that about myself Mm -hmm. you know and it I think that helps like I'm not it's just I'm not different than you know the person next to me it's just this is who I am right and you gotta you gotta you gotta take it Mm -hmm. and 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 roll with it so
0: Mm -hmm. And you got to do what's best for you, like you said, to be comfortable. Because if you try and be a people pleaser, like I said, whether it's for your parents, other family, it's
1: never going to work.
0: Right. And you're just going to constantly be living a life that you don't like living. And what's the point in that?
1: Exactly. And yeah, so you can't please everyone. Mm -hmm. Might as well, you know, please yourself. Mm
0: -hmm. So going back to 2020, you mentioned that you're just finishing up your firefighting. What are some other goals that you have in the year 2020?
1: Oh man. Well, like you said, big one is to get my firefighter one and hopefully get hired on at a at a department. I would mm-hmm. absolutely love for that to happen. Don't really know what's gonna happen right now. I think a lot of people don't know what's gonna happen. Um you know, my high school my high school team, we got cut at uh we made it to state, didn't get to play in it. Uh so that one hurts. So yeah. I was the assistant coach for the varsity team, so that's the team I was talking about. Um, So, you know, once October hits, just, you know, go into that season with a little bit of a chip on our shoulder. These girls are just absolutely incredible. Um, You know, I think just still trying to, like, navigate myself, you know, figure out life. Because every day it's new, especially with everything that's going on right now, right? It just kind of make, makes you think about, you know, the future and, you know, the future is uncertain and you don't know what's going to happen on a day-to-day basis. And I am I think I'm really trying to just like live in the now, mm-hmm. kind of cliche. But um, yeah, I still got a lot of things to figure out about myself. Mm-hmm. So I think I'm trying to figure that out in 2020.
0: Mm -hmm. and I think it's important throughout however long the social distancing lasts you need to have a an optimist view on this like you said kind of whether it's to figure yourself out um hash out some old you know grudges that you maybe had Mm -hmm. learn a new hobby pick up a side hustle just something to kind of continue to work on because I have noticed a lot of people kind of just really sad or really and granted it is a serious topic it is not something to laugh at or scoff at but Mm
1: -hmm. I feel like
0: there's a lot of people who aren't really affected but by it uh, directly or immediately that mm-hmm. are really still taking it really hard and and you know I, I get that you know work provides a lot of our income so where we can live comfortably right. but I feel like work shouldn't be the only thing you look forward to in life you should have mm-hmm. other things and I think that's what some people struggle with is to have a hobby or to, to pass the of time sure. because we have at least me I don't have work right now for either job
1: mm-hmm. and
0: you have a lot more I have a lot more time on my hands more than ever before and sometimes it I guess you find you did like you said, you discover a little bit more about yourself in this kind of time.
1: Yeah. And that's that's a big thing I'm doing with this time is like like you said, hobbies. I'm doing doing things that I, you know, wouldn't do on a daily basis. And Mm -hmm. you know, I have a lot more time with myself, you know, so that you know, a lot of thinking goes on and, and that sort of thing. But, you know, there's times throughout the days where I'm like, oh fuck. This is this is horrible. I think we you know we all have those mm-hmm. those moments, but I'm also having time where I'm like, wow, it's kind of nice.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and I think you know, like I said, it's only natural that you have the oh shit kind of moments, but but take it take advantage as well mm-hmm. of what what's of the time you have right now. Um, the whole job thing is is yeah it's it's frightening um it will get figured out Mm -hmm. you know all this will get figured out and that's what i'm trying to keep i keep reminding myself that um but we're all we're all going through it so Mm -hmm.
0: what are some of those new hobbies uh that you've picked up if you don't mind sharing um
1: let's see what have i been doing trying to play some tennis oh okay not very good (laughs) um what else have I been doing? I've been coloring a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, this isn't a new hobby, but I play a lot of Madden. Mm. So, um, in like two K. But, um, going on a lot of walks, bike rides.
2: Mm, there you
1: um, go. I'm still trying to work out a lot, but um, yeah, those sort of things. Mm-hmm.
0: Do you find it tough, or do you find it tougher, easier? post your athletic career to work out and maintain that like healthy healthy habits oh God.
1: it's hard it's mm-hmm. really hard uh well because college i mean i was in the best shape of my life i could run for hours <laughs> not the case anymore um but i you know this probably isn't the best mindset but i i sometimes <laughs> i tell myself if i'm tired i'm like you literally ran your body into the ground for 20 years so it's take like a day off it's okay. <laughs> You know, I still wake up with aches and pains. So it's like, um, relax, you're good. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. good. But if I
1: don't work out, I go crazy. So mm-hmm.
0: I have to. Yeah, some people just have to be moving. You know, get that body yeah. flowing, the blood flowing. That's me. Mm-hmm. And for me, after playing sports, it was like less weightlifting. I lost interest in that, but more of like plyometrics, jump rope, yoga's. Like I've recently started okay. picking up in the last nice. year. So it's like it doesn't have to be the traditional workout. Whatever you're used to for your sport you know, try and learn sure. something new, you know, like the, like I said, the yoga has really helped me a lot.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, we lifted here and there in college. Um, but I'm, I'm really into lifting now. Mm-hmm. Um, don't do as much cardio as they should.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but I, I joined orange fairy fitness. I'm a huge fan of it. I absolutely love it. That does uh, get me to do my cardio, but, um, mm-hmm.
0: Nice. Well, before we end the show, I do like to ask the guest each week to, you know, some fun questions just to help to get the, yeah. the listener to get to know you a little bit more. If you could have any topping on a pizza, what would it be?
1: Oh, I'm so simple. I, I just like cheese on my
0: pizza.
1: Just cheese? Okay. Just cheese. I'm like, I'm, yeah, I'm a cheese date. So.
0: Okay, nice. If you could go back to any time period in history, what era would you want to go to?
1: Oh, God um you know what I'm a huge fan of 80s music love 80s music and I just feel like I would sit into parties back then just in terms of music so yeah I'll go back to the 80s let's do it
0: okay nice nice if you could have a conversation with any person or multiple people uh, in history dead or alive who would they be
1: um you know I'm a huge fan. I'm just I'm a sports nut, so I'm gonna stick with sports. Um, that's a tough one. Um, you know, I'm just gonna talk to Candace Parker. Just wanna mm. pick her brain. I'm a huge fan of hers. Always have been. Um, but I feel like there's someone that's like. I don't. Do you know what? I'm gonna have to think about that one.
0: Okay. You can. We can always come back to it.
1: Okay. Great.
0: If you had if you could have any exotic pet, what would you want to have? An elephant. Ooh, that's the first one. Okay, I like that. Have you that.
1: watched Tiger King?
0: I have not actually. I haven't you gotta finished get on it yet. I have I, I watched the first okay. two episodes or the first okay. yeah, if that's yeah, Yeah, episodes. you got to finish that. <laughs> I've seen a lot of memes for it though, so I kind of already kind of yeah, get an yeah. idea of what's happening. Okay. Um, if you were stuck on an island uh tropical island doesn't matter what island but what were some of the five things that you would want to bring onto that island
1: um you gotta bring like like baseball gloves in a in a, in a baseball
2: mm-hmm. you gotta
1: stay occupied um probably a speaker uh in and out oh <laughs> um Yeah. Um,
0: What's your go to order at In and Out?
1: Oh, uh, double double.
0: Okay.
1: I mean, if I'm really hungry, I'll do like a double double and then a cheeseburger.
0: Oh, okay. Nice. Yeah. So you want to just depends go three by three?
1: You know, it, it really depends because sometimes I do do a three by three. That's if I'm really, like <laughs> really pushing it that day. But, uh, <laughs> you know, something <laughs> to change. hmm.
0: If you could travel to any place in the world for a vacation spot, where would you want to go?
1: I think Greece.
0: Mm.
1: It's so beautiful. Mm-hmm.
0: And now last one, what is some advice that you would give to your younger self?
1: I think I would say like this too shall pass. Mm-hmm. You'll be okay.
0: Mm-hmm. Not to worry about some of the things that you were worrying yeah. about back then.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, The things that you thought were the end of the world, they weren't. (laughs) Yeah. Just keep going. Keep grinding, you know?
0: Well said. We really appreciate you again for taking some time out of your day uh, to hop on the show.
1: Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. It was a blast.
0: Noah Alvarez here to wrap up another episode of the My Mike and I podcast. I want to thank everybody that's listening again. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, be sure to leave a rating and review. I'd greatly appreciate that. If you're listening on the other platforms, Spotify, SoundCloud, uh, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, be sure to hit that follow button. Be sure to hit that subscribe button. And yeah, guys, I just really appreciate everybody that's listening. Really appreciate Generic Sports and Vince Correa for all the hard work they they put into with helping me in the show. I didn't promote it in the beginning, but if you're on Instagram, follow them on Mike and I Instagram page at my period Mike and period I. And on Twitter, follow me at underscore Noah Alvarez. Also want to plug this new website that Max Farias, Carl Cervantes and I started. It's uh, LockerRoomSportsCA.com. LockroomsportsCA.com. yeah i said that right and uh yeah follow it for sports content non-sports content i actually just started a series that i will be continuously putting out maybe i'm thinking every other week so you guys get a chance to catch up on the series that i promote but this first one on what to watch during quarantine wtwdq for short and that's a weird acronym to say but the first uh the first not episode the first Show I highlighted was Snowfall on FX. It's on Hulu. Man, three seasons, about an hour long each episode. Arguably one of my favorite episodes. No, one of my favorite TV shows of all time. It's like Breaking Bad, but it takes place in Los Angeles. It's all minorities and the CIA is involved. So yeah, super dope. Po- uh, not podcast. Super dope show. Be sure to go check it out. Be sure to check out lockerroomsportsca.com for all your blogging needs. And I don't think I have anything else to promote. But just remember, guys, all gas, no breaks here in 2020. Hope you guys are chasing your dreams. Never chase a check. And we're going to get through this, guys. Coronavirus is not going to last forever. But just make sure you stay inside. Practice social distancing. uh, Hand sanitize. Wash your hands. Limit your social contact. And continue to strive for your goals. Just because we're in pandemic, just because we're in a lockdown doesn't mean you got to put your goals on pause. Learn a new hobby pick up the hobby that you used to have but didn't have enough time for it could be something small it could be something big just you know i encourage you guys to go out and learn something new the brain really likes when you learn something new because it stimulates it i'm not a scientist but i know that's a fact Last few things. Thanks to everyone who participated in the My Mike and I podcast giveaway on Instagram. I will be announcing the winner Friday morning. I usually record these Thursday nights, so I don't already know the winner. But thanks to everyone who participated. Much love to everybody who left a rating review and participated in the uh, commenting and tagging two people in that post. Also did want to announce, too, a couple of big things that I have going forward just to, you know, tease them a little bit. I got asked to be an ambassador on my Mike and I Instagram page. That's super cool going forward. Be on the lookout for some promo codes that I'm going to be sharing with you guys. And I also got some advertisements coming up in the next few episodes as well. Hope to get a few more going forward. A lot of big stuff coming for the podcast, guys. So without further ado, it's Noah Alvarez, the host of the My Mike and I podcast, signing off. Till next time.